God touched me with this uh, message, and I've been meditating on it all week. I sure didn't. I was I was going to give it to Chris this morning. I thought, no, Lord, help me do it, because people need it. And I didn't realize, but of course we never do. The word glorious in that song, he said glorious a couple of times in it. And I'm going to talk to you. That she did not know this, and we did not talk about this. But the message title is "Glorious Things." Glorious things. It couldn't fit if I would have picked a song. I couldn't have picked it better. Five glorious things specifically I want to talk to you that I found in the Bible that encourage me. I find encouraging things in the Word of God, and then I just try to share them with you. Basically, I share. I find them. I want to share them with you. If I find conviction of sin in the Bible, and I do. I also share that. I don't spare you either, either direction. Uh, I preach denunciatory sermons, and I preach encouraging sermons, both of them in the Bible, if they're in the book, and I get convicted equally, and I just want to share all that with you. I see five glorious things in the, in the Bible. The first one I see, and, and surely would have to be the first by just number and priority, is the glorious gospel under salvation. 2 Corinthians chapter, it's in, I believe it's in all of our bathrooms. We put these, we put these verses around so you'll see them. 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not. Why would he do that? Why would Satan blind the minds of people? Well, I see it. I see it. Absolutely see it. Lest the light of the glorious, what kind of gospel? Glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine upon under them. Not only in 2 Corinthians 4 4 is the image that he's called the image of God. Hebrews chapter 1, he's also called the image of God. That's why in John chapter 14, when I think it was Philip asked him, show us a father, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He's the very image of God. He's the, the word impress. He's the image. Of, he is not the Father, but he's the Son, but yet he reflects the Father so accurately that if you look at the Son, you're seeing the Father, and if you look at the Father, you see the Son. But they're different. But they're so the same. 1 Timothy 1.11 says, According to the glorious gospel, of the blessed God which was committed to my trust, and it's been committed to my trust. The glorious gospel has been committed to your trust. Listen to me. You have never been given a more weighty responsibility in your life than when God gave you the responsibility to preach a gospel to every creature. Their eternal future is weighed in the balance on how well you present the gospel and give the gospel, or if you if you give it. When you rub shoulders with people at work or rub shoulders with people shopping or rub shoulders with people in other activities, remember, give the gospel. If it's at all possible, give the gospel. Give the gospel every way you can give it. Give it in print. Give it on tape. Give it over the Internet. Give it in person. Give it in gospel tracts. Any way you can give it, give it. 
any way that's moral and legal, give it. The word gospel, I looked it up, it means simply to announce good things. It's translated sometimes glad tidings. This church's name is Gospel Baptist Church, Glad Tidings Baptist Church. We could call our, our church Glad Tidings Baptist Church, and it's basically a transliteration of Gospel Baptist Church. Uh, we could call this place Good News Baptist Church, and it would not be doing any harm to the word because gospel means good news. When Pastor Herrera came here, we found him, and he was willing to be the pastor of our Spanish church here at Gospel. Buenos Nueves is their church. The word Buenos Nueves means good news, Baptist church. So in Spanish, their church is called Good News Baptist Church, which he said is the only way they could express gospel Baptist church. You may not know that. So we have, we're a church of good news. Now, people may not think we're bringing good news when we tell them if you die in your sins, you're going to spend eternity in hell. They don't think that's good news because before you need to be found, you have to be lost. Before you need the gospel, you've got to realize that you're desperately in jeopardy of God, the judgment of God. Before you even care about the gospel, you have to realize that you're someday going to stand before Jesus Christ who died for you and having somehow missed him, whether by ignorance or ignoring him or just casually or willfully, but you're going to stand before the judge of all the earth and answer for your sin. And then what has to happen to people who answer for their own sin, they'll be cast in a place called hell, the lake of fire. Now, you say, I don't like that. It doesn't make any difference whether you like it or not. That's what Jesus talked about. I get a kick out of liberals who like to talk about a certain part of the Bible, but they don't want to talk about the other part of the Bible. But if this isn't true, that's not true. If this isn't true, that's not true. What Jesus said over here, if this is not true, whatever what he said over here is not true, you can't pick and choose. You've got to take it all. It's all the truth. There's nothing to compare with the glorious gospel in all the world and any other religion. The gospel is the light, the beauty, the life, the hope, the truth, righteousness, and joy. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 16, Jesus said, The people which sat in darkness saw a great light. Again, he said in John chapter 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. You people that are saved this morning in this building or, in, or listening that are born from above, you have been given light. It's beyond belief you've been given light. Men have tried through the ages to express their feelings and their sentiments about this glorious gospel. But no one person has ever expressed it completely. Adolf Deisman said, because it was the message of God to humanity, the gospel could only reveal itself in the simplest of garments. The beauty of the gospel is it's so simple. Christ died for you according to the scriptures. He was buried and rose again the third day according to the scripture. Do you believe it? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. For by grace you are saved through faith, not of yourselves, the gift of God. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You can explain that to a five-year-old. I was five when I got saved. I remember the day, remember where I was, and my mom, my dad was driving my mom 
I was in the back seat. She talked to me about it. I said I wanted to get saved. didn't want to go to hell. Five-year-old. God bless the Sunday school teacher that had given us a flannel, flannel graph. Teachers don't know what that is today. Flannel graph on, on hell. And at five years old, I'd already been really, really wicked. I had done many, many, many wicked things at five years old. You say, a five-year-old? Yes. I'd lied, cheated, hated, stolen, smoked cigarettes. A.W. Tozer said, the glory of the gospel is his freedom. It's freedom. What will people do for freedom? Well, they'll make some, they'll take garbage bags and they'll tie them together full of air and they'll put them in a circle and somehow attach them to a little rickety frame and they'll jump in that boat in Cuba and they'll have these little makeshift oars and they'll try to make a 90-mile journey across open ocean, really, between here in Key West and, and many of them. They say over half of them that do that never make it. They drowned out there by themselves in the ocean with sharks circling their boat, suffer without water, nobody caring about them. Why? Freedom. 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 It's priceless. D. Martin Lloyd-Jones says, the glory of the gospel is that when the church is absolutely different from the world, she is invariably attracts it. For us to attract the world, we can't become like the world. There is a false philosophy, and it's not a Bible philosophy at all. It's a worldly business philosophy that become like them to win them. That's what the mega churches are doing. That's what why they're bringing in the rock bands and why they're changing the appearance of the buildings and why they're not making them, they're, they're making the buildings look not, they're like, making them look like a movie theater, not like a church. That's all planned. Because they think by being like the world, they're going to win the world because they get big crowds. They think that's good, but the trouble is the apostasy of it all. Jesus said to love the world. You're not a friend of God if you love the world, and I'm not going to go into that. But there are many places in the Bible talking about love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. The world and God are diametrically opposed to each other. Martin Luther said the gospel is like a fresh, mild, cool air in the extreme heat of summer. We know what that's like. A solace, a comfort, and an anguish of conscience. Paul Reeves said the gospel is neither a discussion nor a debate. It is an announcement. Gene Sullivan says the gospel is not made to dominate the world. It's a grain of sand that upsets the world's machinery. No, it does. I mean, lately there's been these rulings come down from the Supreme Court, and on the news media they show the, the triggering, they call it, of the liberals, how these women make these little videos and of them just screaming to the top of their lungs and throwing a hissy fit. We call it a hissy fit. Throwing a hissy fit. A bunch of spoiled brats who have no idea that what they're doing is going to bring them into bondage. Oswald Chambers said, every time the gospel is preached, it upsets people, causes conviction, concern, and confusion. When you come into a gospel-preaching church, you've never been in church in a while, you think you may ought to go to church, so you come to a gospel-preaching church, you oftentimes will leave feeling worse than you came, that is good. 
that is good. If you come into church and get a good warm feeling and you go out feeling, oh, I'm great. The trouble is they've lied to you. When the gospel is truly preached and honestly preached, you feel conviction. You feel upset. You feel concerned. You feel confusion. And then that will drive you to the gospels where you can get relief of all that and get freedom and eternal life. Oswald Chambers again says, the gospel is attracted to the man that is convicted of sin. If you don't see your need, you don't need the gospel. A woman named Rose Crawford had been blind for 50 years. That's a long time. She realized that there was a surgery. She was in the hospital in Ontario, hospital, and went to the hospital there and had a surgery done, which restored her sight. She wept for joy when she, the first time she ever, they took the bandages off, she got to look at the colors and the shapes of things. And for 50 years, she had been blind. The sad thing is 20 of those years were unnecessary because there was that surgery which gave her sight had been around for over 20 years. And the doctor said she could have got her sight back at 30 years old. But she didn't know it was available. How many will go on living in moral blindness unless we tell them about the Savior? They're blind. They don't have the, they haven't seen the light because somebody just needs to tell them there's a cure. Our job is to go around telling people there's a cure, man. There's a cure for your blindness. There's a cure for the, for the, doubt that you may have of what happens after death. There's a cure for your conscience is upset. Because see, you can't go back and, any, and undo any bad thing you've ever done. You can be sorry for it all you want, but you can't undo it. The only thing that can help you with that is the gospel. Trust Christ as your personal Savior. Cast your care upon him and he'll give you a clear conscience. And only God can give you a clear conscience. The Bible said the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, washes us from, cleanses us from all sin. Not a little bit, all of it. I had a door-to-door. I've told this illustration over and over again. I was going door-to-door, and I ran into a stripper. That's what she said she did for a living. She was a stripper. And I said, you can be saved. She said, I can't be saved. You have no idea of the things I've done. You have no idea how horrid what I've how horrible I've been and the darkness of my life. And I said, Oh, you're the kind of person Jesus is looking for. You'll make a wonderful Christian. The darker the night, the brighter the light, brother. I see people that have been buried in sin when they get when they get saved. He that's he that's uh, forgiven much does what? Loves much. When you get a stripper like that, they'll just, they'll just trust enough to say, Jesus, I'm a sinner, unable to save myself. Would you be my Savior and forgive me? Something like that. I mean, you know, the, the Stephen of Cross said, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. The publican said, beat his chest and said, God be merciful to me, a sinner. I'm not telling you there's a set little phrase, but your heart has to meet with God's heart. Except you're a sinner. Except the condemnation of the Bible is true. And trust Christ as your Savior, and he'll wash you. He'll cleanse you. He'll give you the Holy Spirit of God forever. Never leave you. It's beautiful. 
I think of that poor blind woman, Rose Crawford, didn't have to go blind because nobody told her there was a surgery to help her. Information. Why are we doing July 4th parade in a, in a large measure, and why we're doing the uh, San Carlos parade in a large measure is because we've got the light, and we want to tell them we've got the light. The glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. The second thing I see is the glorious power of God under sanctification. Colossians 1.11 says, Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. There it is. Under all patience, long suffering, and joyfulness. The gospel comes with power. Romans 1.16 says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God under salvation. A lot of people don't want to give the gospel because they think, well, I may not give it correctly. I may not give it adequately. I may not explain it enough. You don't have to worry about all that. The gospel is the power. Tell people Christ died for them according to the scriptures, the buried rose again the third day according to the scriptures or some measure like that, and the, the Holy Spirit will take it from there. And he'll begin to convict them, and he'll begin to show them the way. We get to go out on the beach on Easter, talk to a big old crowd of people that may only come to church twice a year or less. And I'm always mindful when I preach out there to, man, give the gospel so that those people can be saved. And they can, they've heard, first, the power of God unto salvation, the glorious power of God that transforms the alcohol, alcoholic into a sober man, which was my grandfather. It converts the drug addict into a free man, which I've seen so many times. It can convert an immoral woman into a moral woman. It can, it can take a filthy mouth swearing individual and make, it make their speech season with grace. It can take a nag, nagging, angry wife and make her into a sweet, kind wife. That's, that's radical. It can take a lazy... There's nothing worse than a lazy, bum husband. It can take a lazy, bum husband and make him a diligently working man. I've seen people, man, they got 50 reasons why not to work. You ought to have 50 reasons why to work. You ought to go to work in pain. You ought to go to work struggling. But whatever you do, go to work. Be faithful. Don't you be lazy. There's not much cure for somebody lazy. All the reasons why, all oh, my back aches, my side aches, my foot aches. My, you go to work as long as it's possible to go. Work is a gift from God. Well, boy, that's a, that's a new thought. It's a gift from God. It was before the fall. I'm saying that biblically. It was before the fall. He told them, keep the garden, which was work. You have been out lately gardening, you know it's work. It's the glorious power of God I see. Also, I see, well, first of all, I see the glorious gospel that saves. I see the glorious power of God that sanctifies. Thirdly, I see the glorious new body that awaits for every believer. Philippians 3.21 says, Who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, right out of the Bible, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things to himself. You know what I love? If you take your Bibles, you want to turn to this because it's a great verse. In Romans chapter 8, verse 23, it says this. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves. Some days I just groan. 
I don't know if you young people don't know what it's like to get old. And you may never know what it's like to get old. So you're happy when you get old that you know what it's like to get old. You get that. So we old people, though we got all kinds of aches and pains and this and that and the other thing going on, we're happy to have them. Because the alternative is, but it says, even we groan within ourselves. Sometimes we just groan, can't be verbalized, waiting for the adoption, which is or to wit, the Bible says, the redemption of our body, which means which is. So we're looking. You say, Bill, I tell you, you're saved. Are you complete in Christ? I'm positionally complete in Christ, but I'm not practically complete in Christ because I still got in this corruptible body that I live in well someday this corruptible should put on incorruption and this mortal should put on immortality and then the thing will be completed and that's called the adoption of sons the glorious new body that we got coming I like the old song I got a new body praise the Lord I got a new life now I'm saying I used to sing that now I'm saying I need a new body, praise the Lord, I need a new life. This body is failing me little by little. And I'm going to have to leave it if it keeps it up. Cheer up, you that are in pain. It will not be long. Cheer up, you that are tired of the aches and groanings of this life. It soon will be over. And when it is over, it will be glorious, glorious. Ben Atto got to step over to the other side, and he's having a wonderful time in, in the glory, brother. The Bible says a lot about that. It says the angels come and gather us. When Ben died in that room, the angel came in, a guy in, I'm looking for him, I'm looking for him, a guy in white, a young-looking guy in white, and he calls your name out. And it's a name, it sounds, it's like when your mother calls your name out. Tom, imagine hearing your mother's voice call your name out again. Would it be powerful or what? That's going to be that angel's voice. You're going to recognize that voice. And he's going to say, it's time. And you get to go. And it's going to be a wonder. It's going to be glorious. That's what the Bible says. So we have the glorious gospel unto salvation, the glorious power of God unto sanctification, the glorious new body for our adoption. Fourthly, I see the glorious church. That's the assembly. Now, we've been doing weddings here at the gospel one right after another. I'm like, hint, hint, for some of you guys that are dragging your feet. We finally took down the decorations, which I kind of wanted to leave them up, just have a wedding every Friday. Didn't work out. But I like when old Chris read the verses in Ephesians chapter 5. It's the proof text for really husbands and wives' relationship. It says, husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. That's a high command. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. You've got to be in the word if you want to get washed. That he might present it to himself. It was where I got it. A glorious church. That's the fourth thing I saw in the Bible. It was glorious. It's a glorious church, not having spot nor wrinkle or any such thing, that it should be holy and without blemish. I like 
and you, I've told you this before, but I like black church, black churches, you know, black people's church. I, I have a little, there's a little black in my family back in the, uh, there's a little squall also back in my family. I, some people are crazy enough to do our family tree. I think it's crazy. So what you're going to find is the light tails are junkyard dogs. We got, we got black folks. We got white folks. We got Indian folks. We got all kinds of stuff. But I didn't get gray hair, so whoever gave me that, I want to thank them. I, I like the way black people talk to their preacher. And you can talk to me, it's okay. You white folks are stiff. <laughs> you are state. You are over serious. I tell you, someday one of my life wishes is I could preach in a black church. Woo. I'd love to do that. Preach a sermon like this in a black church, they'd be going wild. Glory to God. One Sunday morning, a pastor in a black church encouraged his congregation to consider potential of the church. He told them, with God's help, we can see the day when the church will go from crawling to walking. And the people responded, let the church walk. Pastor, let the church walk. He announced when the church begins to walk, then the church can begin to run. The people responded, let the church run. Pastor, let the church run. And finally, the, he said, finally the church can move from running to flying. No, oh, can we fly? But of course, it's going to take a lot of money to do that. The congregation grew quiet. And one voice in the back says, let the church crawl, preacher. Let the church crawl. That didn't have a thing to do with my sermon, but I liked it. <laughs> Talking about the church. No matter what the devil does, the church is going to be glorious. No matter what the world says, the church is going to be glorious. No matter what the news media makes us out to be, the church of Jesus Christ is going to be glorious. No matter how many charlatans, and there are so many charlatans that fleece the church and teach false doctrine, yet the church, when it's finally raptured up together and gathered together as a body, is going to be glorious. The very, the Bible says, the very gates of hell will not prevail against us. We have that guarantee from Jesus himself. I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against them. I don't want to build gospel Baptists. I want to see God build gospel Baptists. And if God builds gospel Baptists, it'll stick around a while. I like this song, Old Amazing Grace, Though many dangers, toils, and snares I have already come. Tis grace that brought me safe this far, and grace is going to take me home. We rely on our, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring his glorious church not having spot nor wrinkle or any such thing someday. And you'll see it with your eyes, you born-again believers. The glorious gospel unto salvation, the glorious power of God unto sanctification, the glorious body, new body we're going to get unto adoption, and the glorious church unto perfection, and lastly, the glorious appearing, which is our expectation. It says in Titus 2.13, they're looking for that blessed hope, here it is, out of the Bible. 
and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. These are five glorious things I found in the Bible. I don't know if you know the name Martha Snell Nicholson. She was, in times past, a fairly well-known poet. I'm not sure this crowd's into poetry, but whatever. She said the best part of the blessed hope of, of his soon coming, that's the best part, his soon coming, how I ever lived before I grasped the wonderful truth I do not know. How anyone lives without it in these trying days I cannot imagine. Each morning I think with a leap of my heart, he may come today. At evening I say, when I awake, I may be in glory. Each day must be lived as though it were my last. Boy, there's wisdom in that. And there is so much to be done to purify myself and to set my house in order I am on tiptoe with expectancy. There are no more gray days, for they're all touched with color. No more dark days, for the radiance of his coming is on the horizon. There are no more dull days, for the glory is just around the corner. No more lonely days with his footsteps coming nearer and nearer, and the thought of soon, soon, I shall see his blessed face and forever through with all those pains and tears that I've experienced. It is glorious. It is glorious, Christian. We live in days that I've never seen before. We live in darkness of a kind that I've never seen in the 70 years of my walk on earth. But yet, I have the promise of the Bible of these glorious things. The darkness will one day pass and the glory of God's light will take over and help us. Be of good stead. Be of good cheer, Christian. God's in control. Just be faithful unto death. and Someday he'll give you the crown of life. Father, help us this morning. May your grace and your power be demonstrated in this message and through the word of God. May you build your people up. May you help them, O oh God, to see it. May Lord Jesus, we pass the word out to everybody we know. There's a cure for sin. There's the gospel of Jesus Christ. You don't have to live in the misery that this life dishes out. In the trouble, you can have joy. In the stress, you can have peace. Right in the middle of the storm, you can pillow your head and say, Jesus, I'm here. I love you. Will you give your life to Christ today? Maybe the Holy Spirit's been convicting you for a while, maybe. Maybe your grandma and grandpa tried to get you to accept the gospel or maybe mom and dad or maybe brother and sister or maybe relatives of some kind, maybe preachers of past. I don't know. Wouldn't it be great to finally just say, I'm going to give my life to Christ today. I don't care how many, how many false reasons I have for not believing or not accepting it and how many hypocrites I've ever known or how many. I'm not going to let a hypocrite send me to hell. I'm not going to let a charlatan false teacher send me to hell. I'm not going to let a 
a wicked person that calls themselves a Christian send me to hell. I want Christ. I want him now. Well, I hope you accept him. If you do, would you let us know? Would you come to us, let us know? We'd love to help you. Father, help the Christians be encouraged today in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's if you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.